What do you do when God takes his blessing away? There is a wonderful story in 2 Kings chapter 4 about the prophet Elisha and a Shunammite woman. It says that the Shunammite woman, she was a holy woman. Every time the prophet went by, they fed him, gave him a place to rest, and she even told her husband, this man of God keeps coming back here. Why don't we build him an upper room? We'll make a place for him that he can lay his head, we'll give him a bed and a desk and a chair and a lamp. So he has a little place to rest every time he comes by. And they did so. And one day when Elisha came into the house, he went into the upper room and said, wow, this is, this is great, such wonderful hospitality. What can we do for you? And the woman said, well, nothing, I'm good. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very content living among my people. She didn't want anything. He said, should I give a good word to the king or the head of the military? She's like, no. And he asked his servant, what then shall we do for her? And the servant, Geichazi, he was not holy. And I talked about him in the earlier podcast, if you listen to that one. But he said, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband is old. So Elisha goes, that's what we're going to do. And it's interesting because the woman did not ask for a son. She didn't say, oh, can you give me a son? No. She was very content with her life and she just wanted to do something kind to the man of God because he is a man of God. Not because she liked him, but because he was a man of God. And that's, that's what makes all the difference. So you can be kind to me or Herzl, Stephen, and... and do whatever because you like us. But that gives you no credit. That gives you no glory. That gives you no profit. No. The reward, a prophet's reward, is given to those who treat the prophet kindly because he is a prophet, also known as man of God. So she treated the man of God with kindness and wonderful hospitality because he was a man of God, out of her love for God. And so he tells her, next year, this time around, you will hold in your arms a son. And she goes, no, man of God, don't lie to me like that. Don't give me false hope. And he says, it will be done. And given next year, time, same time, she is holding a baby in her arms. And when the baby grows older, one day he goes to his father in the field. And all of a sudden he doesn't feel well. He goes, my head, my head. The father sends him home and lo and behold, he dies in his mother's arm in the house. And I can imagine just the sorrow and the, the, the horror of that moment. That woman holding her son while he's dying in her arms. The son she didn't even believe she would ever have. She didn't even ask for. And yet when it was promised to her, all of a sudden she got hope. The barren womb was opened and a miraculous child was given unto her. And all of a sudden, her dreams were shattered. He died. Must have been young, maybe six, seven, eight, we don't really know. But he died. And she was heartbroken. She never even expected, she never lacked a child, yet now that she had one and he died, now she lacks everything. 
And she took him and she put him on the bed in the upper room, the room of the prophet. She put him on the bed of the man of God and told her husband, give me a mule and a servant. I'm going after this man of God. I'm going out to meet him. See, what do you do when God takes away a blessing? Abraham got his son, Yitzhak, very similar story, except that Abraham was asked free, freely to give up Yitzhak and sacrifice him, whereas this woman had no choice. <laughs> he just died. And yet, when he did die, what did she do? Did she go out cursing, yelling, spitting in anger? Or did she turn to God, begging, praying, Mercy, Lord, mercy, help me. That makes all the difference. God will expose you to see what is in your heart. What do you do when you don't get what you want? Do you turn on God or do you turn to God? See, that woman, when the child died, I'm sure she died with him. Broke her heart. She put him on the bed and went after the prophet. And the prophet, Elisha, saw her from a distance. He sent his servant Go ask her what, what's going on. And he goes, are you fine? Is your husband fine? Is the child fine? She says, everything's fine. But then when she gets to Elisha, she grabs his feet, his legs, and starts crying bitterly. And the servant is like, should I get her off of you? And Elisha's like, no. This woman is in great distress, and Adonai has not told me what is wrong with her. See, the prophet, the man of God, did not know. Which really comes to show you, we don't know everything. We're not God. We are men of God. We only know what God tells us. We can only do what God gives us authority to do. We cannot do anything in our own strength. What did Yeshua say? I only do the will of my Father, not my own will. I only speak the words He told me to speak. God is the power, not us. We just do what He says. If He hasn't said to do it, we can't do it. And you can see it later in the chapter when Elisha sends his servant with his staff. He says, go and put the staff on his head in the bed, right? And the servant rides ahead of them, gets to the house, gets to the upper room, takes Elisha's staff, put it on his head, and nothing happens. Wow. Nothing happens. The prophet said, do this, you did this, and nothing happens. And you start doubting. Why is nothing happening? Why is this boy not resurrected? But the man of God said, man of God is not God. You forget that? We can only do what God gave us authority to do. And yet, Elisha was holy. His servant was not. Remember that. Yeshua, when he sent his disciples, go and preach and cast out devils and demons, and they came back saying, why couldn't we do these things? He said they were not holy. He said some things can only be given by prayer and fasting, and you have to be holy. A prayer of a righteous man availeth much, not the prayer of a Pharisee or a religious man. A righteous man is someone who walks with God, who has his heart fixed on God, who is faithful to Adonai. That's a righteous man, not someone who wears a kippah or a cross, goes to church. That, that has nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, those people turn out to be the worst. <laughs> not always, but 99.99% of the time. But anyway, so the servant wasn't holy. He was not able to perform that resurrection. And Elisha gets there, 
He says, hmm, it didn't work, huh? Let me see. And he goes out there and he lays, he prays first off. He prays to Adonai. Very key. The servant did not pray. He just did what the prophet said. But the prophet gets there and he prays, Adonai, help me. This woman's been so gracious, so kind to us. She didn't even ask for the son. I just wanted to bless her for all the blessing. We gave her the son and now he dies, Father. Why? Why? Why did you bring this heartache on her, Papa? Help her. Bring her son to life, Papa. Have mercy on her. And then he lays on top of the child. Now that was a prayer that I made. You know, I don't know if that's what he prayed. I just, out of my conviction, the way I see it, but I don't know his exact words. It's not in the scripture. But that's how I would have prayed it. But anyway, he lays on top of the child, eyes on his eyes, mouth on his mouth, hands on his hands. Then he goes down, walks around, comes back, does it again. Interesting. Very interesting technique. And the child sneezes seven times, opens his eyes, and he's back alive. Wow. It's just amazing. Incredible story. There's so much to it, and I'm not going to get into it here because that's not the purpose of this message. The purpose of this message is, what do you do when you get something and then you lose it? The thing you didn't even know you wanted, but now you got it, and you're holding on to it, to dear life, and it becomes your God, and then you lose it. Do you still hold on to the only God, the real God? Or do you let go of Him as well? See, the woman had a choice. She could have turned her back on God, said, oh, you gave me this child and now you took it away. I hate you, I hate you. But she didn't do that. Instead, she ran back to the prophet. She could have called the doctor. She could have called the mortuary. She could have called, you name it. She could have started out in crying, tearing her clothes off. No, the child dies. First thing she does, give me a donkey. I'm going to see that man of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. And she came with her agony. She didn't pretend. Even though she told the servant nothing was wrong. Because she's like, "Eh, I'm not talking to you. Where's Alicia? (laughs) Uh, No, uh, no, get away. No, I want to talk to the man in charge here. I want to talk to you, Elisha. You gave me this child from Adonai. You are the man of God, not this guy. No, I want to talk to the man of God. Held on to his feet. Prostrated herself. Oh, my Lord. Ah. She was in great pain. And Elisha was in great pain as well. You can only imagine. She cries, he's crying. Where Everybody's crying. He doesn't even know why he's crying, but he's crying. The child died. It's horrible. And in his faith, he walked back with her, prayed. And by their faith, Adonai brought him back to life. Because Adonai gave her that child in the first place. And even while he gave her that child in the first place, she was not exempt from being tested to see where her heart truly lies. Remember that. No one is exempt. We are all tested. God gives you something, God takes it away. What do we say? The Lord has given, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But do you say that? It's in the scripture, but do you say that? What do you say when God takes away something that you love, something that you wanted for the longest time, when God gives you that deal and then it goes away? God gives you that promotion, then it goes away. God gives you that fiancé, and then she dies. 
God gives you that child and then he dies. What do you do in those moments? We don't know what God's thoughts are. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than ours and his ways higher than ours. We don't know what's going on. All we know is that we are who we are. We're not our children, we're not our spouses, we're not our jobs, we are ourselves. And we know that God is testing us as well as everyone else, but he's testing us. So we are not responsible for how other people respond. We are responsible for how we respond. What do we do? Sure, your fiance, you got engaged, you were in love and she dies. Well, it's horrible. I agree. I'm not saying it's not. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I'm sorry for you. But what do you do when it happens? Do you blame God? Do you curse him out? Do you go the other way? Or do you fall on your face praying to God to help you, to console you, to be there for you, to love you? Where do you go for relief? Do you turn away or do you turn to? That's really the make or break. And God will test you one way or the other. It doesn't have to be so extreme, but we're all being tested. Like I said, could be a deal, could be your fiance, could be your child. It happens. Happened in my family. Somebody died and, well, the parents never recovered. It happens all the time. What are you going to do? See, the storm is coming. That's not the question. We all know that. Question is, are you going to be anchored before the storm hits? See, when the storm hits, it's too late to throw down your anchor. But if you are properly anchored prior to the storm coming, you can make it. You can survive. You can make it to the other side. But it's all a matter of, are you prepared? Do you have your bomb shelter already built before the war begins? It's too late to build the shelter when the bomb is falling on your head. You have to dig your well before you're thirsty. You have to grow roots before the storm, before the hurricane throws you away. You have to know the Lord before the time of trials and tribulation or else you're never going to make it. It's really that simple. It's so clear. It's so harsh. It's so precise. It's so sharp. The word of the Lord is a double-edged sword, sharper than anything. It can separate from soul and spirit, from bone and marrow. It separates the boys from the men. It is so sharp, though. It's not a joke. If you do not do what it says, you're going to die in horrible pains. Yes, that's exactly what it means. The word of the Lord is sharper than any double-edged sword. Don't you get it? It's not a joke. It's not some fairy tale. It's not some Bible camp thing. It's your life. It is very serious. If you do not do what he says, if you do not obey, if you do not repent, if you do not humble yourselves, you're going to suffer greatly without repentance. There is no forgiveness of sins. And without repentance, you're not going to ever have true comfort. Because God is comfort. And the Lord does not talk to sinners. We know that. Your sins have caused a separation between you and your God. Isaiah 59. What are you going to do? Your time is short. It's winding up. What are you going to do? Your blessings 
are about to be taken away from you. You heard it from me, you heard it from the scripture. Judgment is coming on the entire earth. Time of famine, disease, war. People are going to die. People you know. Your brothers, mothers, daughters, brothers, sons, neighbors, employers. You're going to be out of a job. You're going to be out of a food. You're going to be out of a house on the street. It's going to happen. Not just you, but many, many others just like you. It's coming. We know it's coming. It happened before and it will happen again. But what are you going to do? Are you going to turn to God? Or are you going to turn away from God? Will you take the mark of the beast? We know nobody can buy or sell what's more important to you. Buying and selling? Making that money, money, money! Or is it the Lord, your eternal soul, you're willing to starve to death in order to save your eternity? We know that most will not. We know that most will sell out to the devil. It's already given. It's the word of God. His word does not return to him void. We know it's going to happen. question is, what are you going to do? You, the individual, not the statistic. The statistic does not apply to the individual. And you are an individual. It's one of us. We all have a choice. We all can come back from the dark side. Uh, in the words of Stanley Stupid, in the movie The Stupids, the movie that really only the stupid people can understand. But when I say stupid people, I really mean what the world calls stupid, which are really men of God. Holy movie. In the end, he says to the guy, well, my friend, it seems you lost. I certainly am. Can you help get me back on the right path? Yes, I can, but it won't be easy. You have to turn yourself around. You've got to straighten out. And as long as you can remember to head towards the light, you'll never go wrong. Thank you. You really saved me. Until we meet again, sender. It's never over until it's over. But as long as you can remember to head towards the light, you'll never go wrong. Hallelujah. Be with me, be with me, 
second I said, I hear You ran away when I wanted you near And in your shame your love found your fear In the smallest trace, look for me In the hardest race, run with me In your slowest pace, you can walk with me I wanted you with me I wanted you with me Yeah, yeah Be with me 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 I want you to be with me Dreams and hopes Just wanted to hold you closer No matter your doubts or pain can change me In a crowded space, a lonely place I'll always see your face You can count on me that I'll be there Cause I wanted you in I wanted you with me I wanted you Be with me 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 I wanted you with me I wanted you with me Thing that I want the most from you.